I want the individual, I want the consumer to be more educated, which is also largely kind of wishful thinking because the consumer has to want to be more educated. But I truly believe that if we're going to change the healthcare model, it's going to start from the bottom up. It's not going to come from the top down. It's going to come from individuals demanding better and leaving. You vote with your dollars, right? You vote with your wallet. So if they stop going to that provider, and they start going to this other provider, it's gonna make that provider change. I think one of the best things that ever happened to the physical therapy um, field was that personal trainers started leveling up. And suddenly PTs were like, what? Uh, I better go and take this course. I better learn about strength and conditioning. I better do more than be on the table with yellow TheraBand. Like, I'm losing my money. I'm losing my, my clients. So I truly believe that the, the change comes from the comes from the bottom. So I would love to see a more educated user. And I think that probably would start off you know, in school. We are not telling you to quit your job. Here at Off The Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast, we are teaching you exactly how to gain your freedom as a healthcare professional in places that school never taught you. This is OTC University and class is in session. And we are live. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneur Podcast. As always, I am the captivating, motivating, tentilating, and money-making Mr. Carlborn Jr. And I got my main man, Mr. Paulo Ching. Paul, say what's up to the people. Look, what up, y'all? Let me talk to you guys real quick. Welcome to the late night hour with Paulo Ching. Oh, that's good. I should make that my intro. Yes. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Hey, well, uh, what up to the listeners? So glad that you guys are here. I'm happy, excited, and just ready for y'all to get another fire episode. So welcome. Yes, sir. All right. So without further ado, I mean, at this at this point, you guys know what it is at this time of the episode. We always like to bring you special guests. This week is no exception. Very, very excited for this episode. It's always good when we get to come back home to, to the PT fam, you know, so um, just very excited to speak with today's guest. Um, man, she's killing it. But without further ado, I want to go ahead and introduce our guest for today. Bear with me, guys. This is a long resume here. She's oh, a certified strength and conditioning specialist, Whew. board certified orthopedic clinical specialist and rock tape lead instructor. Wait, wait, I'm not done yet. Not done. She is the creator of the Movement Maestro LLC, a social media based company that provides both online and in-person education for movement professionals. And she has amassed this is incredible. A social media following of over 60K awesome individuals. Shout out to you. That is amazing. Um, and she is also the host of a successful podcast called Maestro on the Mic. I love the alliteration. That's beautiful. Which, by the way, has been downloaded over half a million times to date. She is an expert in coaching movement professionals and brand strategy and development. Without further ado, I want to go ahead and introduce our lovely guest for today. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We got Dr. Shantae Cofield in the building. Doc, talk to us. Yo, How you feeling? Yo, the sound effects. I'm here for that. I, I, I'm not going to lie. 
your intro, both of you, straight fire. You had a nice little uh, teamwork there. Paul came in with the like Barry Manilow, Barry White, just like real deep and sexy with it. Carl's over here, captivating, tantalizing, motivating, money making. I'm here for it. I am here for that energy. I want that energy from all the podcasts I go on. So thank you for having me. I am stoked. Let's do the thing. Let's do it. All right. So, you know, we like to be respectful of your time. Just right off the bat, we think it's always good to start with why, right? Because so much comes from the why. And with that being said, just right out the gate, tell us, why did you choose to pursue the field of physical therapy? Because I decided I didn't want to go to med school. Straight up, real talk answer. Uh, I, my whole plan, my whole life was let's go to med school, be an orthopedic surgeon. Also, you know, play super high level soccer. Uh, I was on track for the national team uh, and I tore my ACL and it changed everything. And I still wanted to play soccer. And I was still thinking about orthopedic, orthopedic surgery was like my goal. But I got my first taste of like, you know, actually being involved uh, and seeing an orthopedic surgeon and also with physical therapy and realized that I saw, I saw my physical therapist a lot more. I went to, to college and I was still, I was pre-med. Uh, so I went to Georgetown, I played division one soccer there and I was still, so I kind of cut my soccer dreams a little bit, but still wanted to go D1, uh, but no longer UNC, uh, but still wanted to go into medicine. And when it came time to take the MCATs and such, I was not fully sold. And I didn't know if that's the direction I wanted to go into. I didn't know if that was how I wanted to spend the rest of my years, uh, you know, real talk, trying to, you know, partake and live up to the, the white boys club. And I was like, I don't know if this is what I want to be doing. Uh, so my advisor was just like, Hey, what about PT? And I like really only knew my, you know, six months, whatever, seven months stint with it. And I was kind of just like, why not? I know that it'll give me a little bit more flexibility. I didn't know fully even what it entailed, but I was just like, I don't want to do med school. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to take time off because that's, I just hadn't known that it was like not the thing I did. Uh, so, okay, I'm going to apply to PT school. And that is why I became a PT real talk. I love that. Um, first of all, I love that because I think you definitely embody a lot of people that you know, got the way they got into the PT industry. Um, you know, a lot of people just, I, I know they can relate. I can kind of relate because, you know, my first major, right? For those of you that don't know my story, I had three majors. So my first major was bio pre med, you know? Um, but here we are. Amen. All right. So I want to I wanna start off by asking you a question just to kind of throw, throw, throw some things around um, a little bit. Let's do a it. little bit. So, you know, I recently discovered, and I'm embarrassed to, I'm not embarrassed, really, but I recently discovered this rock tape phenomenon, mm-hmm. right? I really didn't know about it previously. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, with you being the rock tape guru, lead instructor, the, the go-to person, kind of break down, you know, how you got into that. And then two, the benefits of it. You're, cool. You'll see where I'm going with this. Cool. I will do both. So full disclosure, I stepped away from rock tape this year. I was their lead instructor or one of the lead instructors and I was with them for five years. It was an absolutely phenomenal company to be part of a tremendous entrepreneur model. It really, that company gave me wings and allowed me to have the life that I have today. But because of things changing in my own life and what direction I'm headed with, I just have time anymore. Uh, And so like over the years I was pulling back and that was one of my goals for 2020 was to stop uh, formally teaching. I only had like three events planned with them. And then Rona was like, here you go, you're done. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm done. Uh, but 
how I got started with rock tape, uh, and this is, I think, especially important for any, any marginalized population out there. I always say it to women, but I'm gonna say any marginalized population. I asked. I think the tendency is we just work really hard, work, 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 and someone's gonna notice, and then we're gonna get asked to do this thing. Typically, that doesn't happen. Um, so uh, I had taken the rock tape course for the instructor, Dr. Perry Nicholson. I kind of found him online on Instagram and I was like, I like what this guy's doing, it's different. I wanted to take a kinesiology taping class because, so I used to work in New York City. I live in LA now, but I used to work in New York City. Uh, and every year around marathon time, everybody coming in with tape on. My clients were coming in, they were taping themselves. And I was like, this helps you, cool. So I had another guy and my, uh, that I was working with who had taken like the KT cert. And so he had his book there and I was reading it and I was like, you know what? I don't believe this. I don't believe that origin to insertion matters. I don't think that this is actually, I don't think it's true because I have patients coming in. They don't know that stuff and they're using this tape and it's helping them. So I don't really know if I want to go and learn that. Uh, so I had a friend, Jesse, who I went to PT school with and he was like, yo, take rock tape. He's like, their methodology is, is actually very simple. Uh, and you're going to learn more in the class than just tape. So Jesse's recommendation combined with the fact that Perry Nicholson was teaching the class meant that I signed up for that rock tape class. Uh, I signed up, it blew my mind. I realized that there was more out there because I was also starting to get pretty disenchanted by PT in general at this point. I'm working in a mill and I was like, what is happening here? Uh, and I started to realize that maybe there is more, maybe there's something else I could be doing. There's a different way I could be treating, but there's also a different you know, career path that I could be having. And so for the first time ever, I asked. And after class, I asked Perry, I was like, how do I become an instructor for this? I don't care how long it takes. I want to become an instructor. So uh, we had developed a friendship. I was, you know, talking to him a lot on, on Instagram. And he was like, I'll put you in touch with, you know, the higher powers. Uh, and it was one of those things that I, I asked and I had done the right things and I did the right thing at the right time and they needed a physical therapist to come on board. And so they fast tracked me. And by the end of that year, I was actually teaching. Uh, but how rock tape works is three ways, right? We have the neurological component of it. Uh, we have a mechanical component in that it's gonna help with decompression of the tissue. It's not actually gonna hold anything in place. It's not gonna like fix your broken bones or anything like that. Uh, but we have that tactile, excuse me, that mechanical lifting effect that's happening. Uh, and that first part being that we have that neurological effect or neurosensory, AKA it's touching your skin. Uh, for anyone that's like, oh no, man, it's just touching your skin, it can't be doing anything. I challenge them to answer what happens when you walk into a spider web touches your skin and oh my goodness, do you get a major massive motor output? You suddenly become a ninja overnight and that thing touched your skin or in a second rather and that thing touched your skin uh, so gently. So the main way that we see rock tape working is through that neurosensory cueing uh, and then that, that mechanical component, which is this, that we are uh, decompressing, decompressing the tissues. So those are the, the easier science there behind it. I have a follow-up question for you because for the first time ever, you're the very first guest to actually bring this up in however many episodes we've had. And that is being an entrepreneur, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Here at OTC, we're all about entrepreneurs, but um, I could read the definition or I could have you 
kind of explain it from your perspective. Cool. Um, but just kind of explain to us what the benefits of being an entrepreneur was. And the reason I asked is because I know, you know, everybody understands that being an entrepreneur is not really for everybody. I mean, it, you know, it has great benefits. Um, there's a lot of risk that comes with it as well. Oh, yeah. But being an entrepreneur is different. So kind of break down what being an entrepreneur was and how that allowed you to grow to where you are right now. Sure, sure thing. So for me, that entrepreneur is that I was allowed to grow while I also had a job. I was within this company that realized as I grew, they would also grow. So I had, you know, I'm a 1099 for them. I'm not a W-2 employee. I'm a 1099 contractor. And as I grew my business, as I grew my reach on social media and people came to classes to see me, they were still paying for the class and Rock Tape is making money on that. So it behooved Rock Tape to support me in my goals uh, because they are mutual. Right? And I actually think that this is one of the best approaches to entrepreneurship uh, because if you actually think about it, and I think, uh, what is his name? Adam Grant speaks about it in his book, Originals. Uh, entrepreneurs are not super risk takers, actually. People tend to think like entrepreneurs just have to do anything. Like, actually, no, most successful entrepreneurs are actually very calculated in the risks they take. And so they will be less risky in certain areas so that they can actually be, you know, kind of more risky in other areas. But it's all very calculated, which is how I got into doing what I'm doing and working for myself is that I didn't burn the ships. I do not subscribe to the burn the ships narrative. I think it's actually a great way to be homeless. It's not for me. Right. So I had this safety net of, rock tape. I had to teach. It wasn't like an, it wasn't a set income, but if I taught, then I would get paid. And also I'm incentivized to grow my own thing because as, as you know, my following grows, more people come into classes, I get more of these classes. I will also make more money. So it's a calculated risk, uh, there in that I still had money coming in in some way, as I was looking to move into more doing my own thing. It wasn't just like cut ties with everything and then just go and figure it out. That model is not for me. Uh, and so that's how Rock Tape kind of very much launched my career. Uh, and they have that model, that entrepreneur model where they want their 1089, their contractors to grow because when their contact, contact contractors grow, they grow. So I love, I love the fact that we're on this topic. One, because I can say for myself, looking, looking at where I am now and looking at where I want to go you know, this concept of being an entrepreneur has been something actually that me and Paul have been talking about a lot lately, because there used to be a point in time where I used to think like, oh, once I get out of school, like, I just want to focus on business stuff, like, you know, but it's like, you go through school, and you enjoy this stuff, you know, and you you love being able to learn these different techniques, these different ways to bring people back to normal function and rehabilitate them. And you kind of think, actually, I, I, I want to stay, I want to stay in this realm of PT, you know, but there's still that part of you that's like, maybe at heart, yeah. I like to do my own thing, right? Yep. Or maybe naturally, like, I want to have my cake and eat it too, mm -hmm. in that aspect of things. So what would be, what would you say would be like your top three tips for um, new grad PTs or even uh, SPTs that are currently in school and they're thinking about life after school and kind of want to transition into that entrepreneur or entrepreneur eventually model? 
So three tips then I would say for, especially for the new grads, number one would be uh, learn on someone else's dime. Like, I know it sounds great to like be, have your own hours and have your own everything, but like that takes time. And it's really a lot nicer if you're actually earning money while you're learning how to do these things. I think that I love social media. It is my happy place. It's my love language, but Social media tends to give people the impression that things happen overnight because they start following somebody and like that person's 10 years into their journey, but they like, don't realize that. Uh, and people tend to think like, oh, okay, well, I'll just start a business and then I'm just going to like maybe do a workshop and then like patients are going to come and it's going to be great. And I'm like, that's also not science. So very nice to learn how to do things, how to run a business, learn what you actually like on someone else's dime. So yeah, be super transparent, you know, from the jump of like what your goals are. Um, and it, you could be learning on someone else's time. That could mean that you're doing home health. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily doing ortho. I, that was my route was like, yes, I am going to be doing ortho because I don't actually really want to have my own business. But if you don't want to be doing ortho, go ahead, do home health, do something that pays the bills on. So you're on someone else's dime as you're trying to grow and, and do this other thing. Number two, focus on learning your no. All right, you're going to earn your no as well, but we'll start off with learning your no, meaning learning the things that you don't want to be doing. Too often we try to be like, well, what do I want it to be? What do I want to be when I grow up? What's the final product? Humans in general are not very good at knowing what they want. Some people, um, your more opinionated friends, typically you're like, oh, that person has like a lot of opinions. And it's because they know what they want. Whereas most people are kind of like, I don't know, maybe. They know what they've already done and they know what they don't like. So it's a lot easier to focus on your no. So as you're going through being like, actually, I don't like working with this population. I don't like working these kind of hours. I don't like working in this setting. That's totally fine. It's super valuable to learn that. And then remember that as you go, as you're moving through this and you're learning your no, you will also be earning your no. People tend to be like, oh, you know, I want to work one day a week. That's amazing, but it's probably not realistic for when you first start. And I'm not saying this because it's like, oh, well, I had to grind. So you do. No, this is how business works. These are the first steps that you put in because yeah, you do have to be making money. You do have to be more accommodating in the beginning. You do have to be getting the reps so that you know that you can get the results so that you get the confidence so that you can change your rates and change your hours and you know build more of that thing that you want. So you're earning your no as you go. Uh, and then uh, number three would be to find someone who is doing what you want to be doing, who has the same values as you and pay them to learn from them, All right? That's a big thing is don't go and be like, can I pick your brain? Miss me with that unless you want me to pick your pocket. I don't want anybody picking my brain. That's, that's not how it works. But if you find someone, I think that is one of the beautiful things about social media is that you can start to see other people and their lifestyles and their values and where they're at. And social media has afforded us the opportunity to connect with these people, but also to learn from them without kind of, I don't want to say bothering them, but like a lot of people are putting out free content. They have PDFs, they have coaching programs. They, maybe they wrote a book, go and consume all of that. Learn as much as you can from this person who has the lifestyle that you want, who has the values that you want. And then if you're like, I want some more help, then you offer to pay it up. So what does it look like from, <laughs> first off, let me, let me say that pick your brain comment that you made spot on. Paul actually uh, sent me a shirt a week ago and the shirt says, you can pick my brain after you pick your payment method. So <laughs> that's it. I love it. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Mic drop. I like that. After you pick, yeah, so good. After you pick your payment method. I love it. Yes. So yes, Paul. 
that that first point that you made, right? You talked about being able to learn on someone else's dime. Now, for because we we know the big thing as well is student loans, right? Oh, yeah. Like we yeah. we want yeah. this freedom, we want to be able to do whatever you know we envision for our lives, but then it's like we graduate and we still have that cloud of student loan, you know, hanging over the top of our head. So how do you think that new grads can kind of navigate that between thinking about, because here's the big thing. The reason why I'm asking this is there's been a lot of debate lately, right? In terms of like the amount of money that we're getting paid out of school Mm -hmm. and, and we should be making more as DPTs. And so there's been a lot of conflict between how do I know what's too little money based off of people have been accepting this for the longest time and maybe I'm being too greedy. So mm-hmm. how do you navigate that and still be able to learn on someone's this dime so and pay this your bills so and do what you need to do? This is so good. I have so many opinions on this. Number one, student loan debt is what it is. Yes, it should be lower and school should cost less, but it currently doesn't. So the first thing that everyone needs to do is take radical responsibility for their choices. I chose to go to PT school. It's my own fault that I didn't do enough research then to be like, yeah, this is going to be a lot of money. Like, I, It's like monopoly money to me at that point. I'm like, a lot of commas. I guess I'll just make that back. I don't know. Like, I don't know. That's on me. That's the only way that you're going to move forward is if you take radical responsibility. If you keep being like, oh, it should be less and someone else should pay for it and it should be forgiven. That is, that is the incorrect mindset. You're never going to move forward. So number one, take radical responsibility and be like, this is what it is. I chose this. Number two, it becomes, it's, you have to start thinking about what your own personal approach to, to money is. Do you prefer to have uh, more cash flow or are you the type of person that's like, I want zero debt? They're two different kinds of people. And if you're like, I want more cash flow, then yeah, go ahead and pay the minimum and you're gonna pay for longer, but you're gonna increase your cash flow, which means then are you gonna use that to go and invest and do other things with it? Again, this is having some financial savvy, which you can go online and learn from people. My number one recommendation will probably be Ramit. I love him. I love his approach to uh, finance and, and money mindset. Um, and you can learn from his book, which is like $10. I don't know, it's a great start. Uh, so I would look at that. Uh, so we said number one, radical responsibility. Number two, figuring out what matters to you. Do you want cash flow? Is that more important to you? Or do you want more of, I don't want to have any debt in my life? In reality, student loan debt is not bad to have. It's not going to crash your credit score or anything like that. It's, it's not like, yeah, I don't want to have it. But at the same time, you can still live your life. You can still go forward and be doing your things having more cash flow. So right, we have lower payments, we have more cash flow. And then what are you doing with that money? Are you being smart with that? Do you need to get an accountant? You probably don't need a financial advisor, but do you need an accountant? Do you need a bookkeeper, something like that to help you out and kind of guide you uh, a little bit with that? Um, We said about, should you pay it down right away? Again, that is going to be a personal preference. What do you care more about? What is your value system? What are you more comfortable with? And if you're like in a relationship or married or anything like that, what is the, the you know, your partners, have you talked about that? It's also, uh, also very important. As for the, the numbers and should PTs make more and things like that, this is why I became an entrepreneur because I will bet on myself a thousand out of a thousand times. 
And I know that push come to shove, I can make more money on my own, but I didn't start there. So again, I think entrepreneurs are all about calculated risk. I started out and that's why I went to PT school. Cause I was like, I will always have a job. No matter what happens, we saw it in the pandemic. PTs were, PTs were actually making more money for those that were willing to do, you know, run into the Rona. They were making more money, right? For these travel jobs. That wasn't me, but it, that was the thing, right? So I had the safety of that. Like, okay, I'm gonna go into PT because I always have a job. Then I started to realize, okay, I'm gonna use some math here. Uh, and what's the ceiling? As long as you're working for somebody else, there's always a ceiling. Yes, you'll get safety in some regard, some safety, but if you, you know, you think about what Seth Godin says, playing it safe is risky because you may have the safety of a set paycheck, but we saw again with Corona, people got fired. And then you're like, well, then that wasn't so safe, I guess. All right. So taking those, those risks and, and what is, what's your risk evaluation and how risk averse are you from there doing some math and starting to realize the amount of money that could be made if I did the stuff myself. And being like, all right, you know, when I first started and started going on my own, I still had my full-time job, uh, but I was treating on the side and I was treating for $60 an hour, right? I wasn't treating for a hundred million dollars an hour, it was $60 an hour, uh, which I was fine with. And I, I could, it was in my integrity to charge for that. I didn't, feel like, I didn't feel comfortable charging more, but if you do some simple math on that and you see a few people a week, five people a week, it's a couple hundred dollars that adds up over the course, the course of, a, of a month. And you can do some math there and then it can grow from there. As for being too greedy, and this is where I think it's really nice if you, you start to learn on someone else's dime and actually ask them the numbers for things because suddenly you're gonna be like, okay, I see what's coming in, but actually like, here's the rent. Again, I was in New York City, those spaces. So actually I just crashed the mastermind and, and K-Star was there, uh, Kelly Surrett was there and they just closed down CrossFit San Francisco. The rent there was $26,000 a month. What? Paul just passed out. For you folks listening, you can't see it, but he, he passed out, right? $26,000. So suddenly if you actually can get into the numbers, you start to realize, oh, wow, this is like actually expensive. But that may be when you also start to realize, okay, do I want to do this on my own? And how does this work? How much money would I be able to pay somebody? Because it's very easy when we're on the receiving end, but then suddenly if you try to get hire someone, you're like, oh, but they want this much. And you have to actually start doing some, some numbers with things. So I, I'm all for you know PTs wanting to earn more, but I also am all about people bringing more value to the table and substantiating their requests for uh, compensation and not just being like, I got a doctorate, so I deserve it. You don't deserve anything. That's not how things work, which is why, again, I choose to bet on me. And I'm now I work for myself because I know push comes up, I can work more and make more money or I take time off. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to make less money there. So to summarize, I know I said a lot there. Number one, radical responsibility. You took this debt on, own it, figure out what you got to do. Number two, figure out what you want to do. Do you want more cash flow or do, are you like a no debt person? Commit to that and then move forward with that. As it relates to financial resources, Ramit, I think is my personal favorite for those of you that are looking for someone. His book is like literally $10 and it's phenomenal. Uh, and then as it relates to, you know, should I be, should we be making more as PTs? It doesn't really matter if we should or shouldn't. What are you going to do about it? Right. 
the best thing you can do is actually go and take control and be like, I'm going to earn more by having my own thing, not by trying to squeeze more out of my employer. Uh, you can start to do some math. And when you start to realize like, okay, here's the price, here's what I'm getting paid. Here's what I know has to come off the top for um, utilities and things like that. And if you're like, man, I'm like really, really getting shorted. That's usually when people start leaving that facility and stop working there. But you, that takes you the effort of you putting in the time to like do the numbers instead of just being like, but I want more money. Oh, I'm laughing because um, this is one of my favorite things to talk about. I'm talk gonna to me about it, it I'm going to call it the, the DPT crisis. <laughs> this notion that simply because you have a doctorate, somebody should now pay you more. And yes, I mean, I do agree. You know, DPT should get paid more. I, I definitely agree. The only thing is I'm an economics man. So uh, what we're what we're taught in economics classes is that the market dictates where everything goes. A lot of PTs, I mean, y'all are getting paid on based on whatever co your company decides with the insurance company mm -hmm. that the baseline is going to be. I mean, you should have seen my my shock as a PPT. Like when I found out that yo, some of y'all out here doing notes and you're putting in units, and the and the the hospital already decided mm -hmm. how much you're getting paid per unit. So it doesn't matter how many units yeah. you have to do it because yeah. this is required. But at the end of the day, whatever you're writing in the notes doesn't even negate to like what mm -hmm. is being paid out. That's already been agreed upon. So I think I love this because it kind of points out to, okay, how do we get past this DPT crisis? One, I want to ask you, I mean, and especially because I know with entrepreneurship, it's such a sweet word. To say I'm an entrepreneur, you know, kind of gives you this essence of ah, I'm better <laughs> than you're doing. But it, it comes with a lot of things that, as you mentioned, people don't fully calculate prior to getting into. Yeah. I believe that for a lot of people, and I and I, I say this as a PT practice owner, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things I've had to learn, and you know, even something that Carl and I have been working on, you know, um, has just come to like having these conversations, right? See, I've had to learn how to talk with these insurance companies mm -hmm. about like, okay, potentially if we had a deal, what would this look like? Mm -hmm. You know, and so because I've had to learn a lot of those conversations and those conversations, and this is where, you know, I start getting in trouble. A lot of these PT schools, but I don't care. These conversations, I fully believe. Now, I ain't been, you know, so I ain't been to PT school yet. So I don't know y'all be learning in there, but I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say these conversations are not taught. You're not taught how to be able to learn how to generate a lot of that income. So the issue I have with this crisis, and this is where I want to lead it to entrepreneurship, is because a lot of people are not taught how to be those self-sufficient income creators, mm -hmm. right? It's almost like, you know you, myself, and Carl, if we have a problem in front of us and we'll say, okay, how can I solve that issue? If I need totally. to make, and I'm totally. just use it, if I need to make a hundred bucks today, all right, super low number, we think, hey, what do I need to do to generate mm -hmm. that hundred today? We don't think, well, I'm going to go and clock in and work and then they're going to pay me. Like, it, it, it's just like, bro, what do I need to do today to make sure I get that? And so, because I think a lot of that stuff is not taught in, in school, that leads to that crisis of thinking, I deserve more, but you're not bringing the value. Now, Carl mentioned in the prior, right? One of the things he talks about always with me is 
you know, when, when he comes out of school and he starts practicing, yes, we have our business together, but he's still going to be practicing. And these PT companies are going to have so much stuff coming into them from Carl. Yep. I mean, my dude is a SEO Google certified. Hello, y'all listening. Shout out. Go look him up. Google certified SEO specialist. Right. So you wondering, how can I get more patients? Well, guess who's going to just do it for you? him right so then when he comes and says hey y'all should definitely pay me more it's mm-hmm. justified because he's yeah. actively creating Being income for the company the entrepreneur thing right That's there it. now let me jump into the entrepreneur portion and this is my question for you when it comes to this dpt crisis I should put that on a shirt how can people then really start to like understand because my problem is like and it it hurts me like it really hurts me when I see a lot of my friends graduating and then like complaining that uh, I have like a hundred thousand and I'm just Mm -hmm. like okay then go into business something about it and then I hear all the reasons why it can't work I need experience or that age-old well you need to be practicing for five years before this this and that Mm -hmm. I get it right I get it but how can people start to develop a lot of those things to help them be entrepreneurs? Because you're going to come into this entrepreneur game and so many things are going to happen. Imposter syndrome, like constantly trying to compare yourself to other people that have been in the game, right? That overnight success thing where people could probably look at your stuff and think, oh crap, she's an overnight mm-hmm. success. Not knowing you put years. Yep. So yeah, you were an overnight success. It just took 10 years. 10 years of overnight yeah, success that's it. so how can people start to learn how to generate or what things need people what things do people need to bring to the table really right sure. that can help them learn how to generate a lot of things and then they can take that and say bump this i've done it i've seen the ceiling now i'm gonna go do it for myself i'm gonna throw it back and say i'm not certain that there's actually a crisis i think and i agree with everything you're saying and here's why I don't think there's a crisis. I don't, I am not fully convinced that a lot of these PTs, a lot of people in general that complain, they actually want to think for themselves. They want more money, but not having to, but I don't want to do more. It's not a crisis, actually. That's, that's a problem. That's a lack of, you're not in touch with reality there, right? They don't actually want the verb. They want the now. They want the like, 6k whatever six figure 6k six figure paycheck i don't actually want to put in what it what it takes to to do that uh so i'm not fully convinced that there is such a crisis i think the people that want the next thing they doing it i think that they're making moves and you know social media has been great for that what you folks are doing what you two gentlemen are doing is great for that because not everyone's an early adopter, right? I think all three of us are very much early adopters. It's the best route to be. It's the cheapest route. It's the fastest route. But most people are kind of like, oh, let me just have the gift of going second and watch someone else do it. Uh, so things like this podcast and things like Instagram are great. Um, I know Danny Matei's mastermind, uh, Will Boy, all stuff that he's doing because it shows people that they have option, right? It's the Roger Bannister effect. Roger Bannister ran, ran a sub four minute mile and suddenly everybody, you know, a million people that week also did it. They're like, I could do it too. Look at that. So I think that there's a lot of value in, in seeing a different model. I think people come out and they've only been taught one model, but the folks who have it in them, they're going to go for it, whether it takes them, they do it right away. Or in my case, you know, I'm a little more calculated. It took me about five years because I didn't see the model as much. Uh, now it's like just everyone out there 
uh, is doing it. What I think people need to do is they need to be very real, realistic with themselves and say, am I willing to bring something more to the table? Am I willing to solve, figure out a different way to solve this problem? Or, or do I want to solve it in this way? Do I want this security of a paycheck and health insurance, but just want more money? That's not going to happen. So you nailed it and you're like, yeah, Carl's bringing SEO sensei like level. She's got, he's bringing more to the table. He's bringing more value than this, than this other person. So he's making a whole new, a whole new model. You nailed it. And as well saying that you have your friends that come out and they're strapped with debt and what do they do about it? They complain. That doesn't fix anything. What are they doing to actually take responsibility and then change it? I really don't think that there's a true crisis. It's just a decision to be made. Do you want to do something about it? Or do you want to, do you, you know, believe that you deserve more for doing the same thing? First off, I'm sorry, Paul. Go ahead, bro. I'm, I'll, I'll reserve myself. Go ahead. Are you sure? I mean, I, I have a question. Okay, let me, let me ask this then. Because you're right. You know what? There is not a crisis. There's not a crisis. But I'm so tired. Mm-hmm. One of my pet peeves is when people complain with literally no intention. I have no, I have no time for that, Paul. No time. That. Miss me with that. Right? So, okay. I'm also like a person that can't stand injustice. I want to save everybody. Yeah, yeah. I want people to win. So I, this is a personal problem for me. Yeah. But let's then talk a little bit about mindset. And, you know, I know people talk about this all the time, but it's really important in this instance, right? Um, I saw this, uh, I think it was a meme or something earlier today that I was talking about. It's crazy how at the beginning of the year or March even, right everybody like probably got up and decided yo tomorrow tomorrow i'm gonna stop doing this 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 and i'm gonna start being successful in this with absolutely no track record of having ever tried to commit to anything like that before <laughs> suddenly they think they're gonna go from zero to 100 so my question to you because it, it, it really i promise you like a few things invigorate me as much as nonsense like that <laughs> so my question to you just comes from a mindset personal development space right earlier you talked about adam grant which originals by the way phenomenal book right um you know i like how he was talking about people really don't have original ideas they just do it better yeah Uh, phenomenal phenomenal book that and like think again um but from a mindset and personal development i'm on the fence with think again i'm not gonna lie i'm on the yeah i I mean it's 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 helping me personally through something (laughs) so (laughs) i'm just trying to listen i i like to be in charge um (laughs) I'll just be honest. You can ask Carl. Um, So from a mindset, personal development perspective, right? Because most people, I think it's so unfortunate because I, uh, a bunch of my friends just matched into their residencies Mm. and every single one of them, right? Haven't come out of med school. Every single one of them either was like, yo, I'm just going to start my own practice because through school they told us you might want to do this right <laughs> like and yeah. people are actively aware yeah. at least coming out of med school they're like yo yeah look i have f- half a million dollars in student loans yeah so for them it's like i almost noticed yeah. this mindset where it's like okay i'm gonna get this paid off but i'm gonna be strategic about how i do it 
I might go start my own medical practice, or I might go do this residency or internship that pays me more, or I might go find a fellowship that's giving me loads of cash. Like they're very strategic about it, but mm-hmm. it's not like, oh my gosh, I wish I made more as a doctor. Yep. It's more just like, I'm going to go freaking get it. So from a mindset and personal development yep. perspective, what then is it the physical therapists? Yeah. Okay. I have, I'm missing. So it's the guidance, exactly what you said. So I love that you actually said about justice and you're kind of like a bleeding heart and you want to just give back and like help everybody. This is the challenge that I have to current physical therapists and people that are practicing is this is how you give back. Maybe you're not the person that is in a space just yet to be doing pro bono work or anything like that. There are tons of different ways to give back. And one of them is by guiding other and showing other new grads and things like that, what's possible. So the, dig, the big difference between in the, the stories you just said is that in med school, their professors, their whoever said, maybe it's a good idea to start to practice. You go to PT school on day number one in some of those classes, they are reading to you the number of PTs who got sued. Why? No idea. Because it's like one. No idea. And then the rest of these crusty ass professors are like, uh, also, if you, you're going to have to spend a million dollars and it's going to be working forever. They're all kind of like disenchanted by the model and like kind of, you know, kind of bitter, dusty about things. So the way that I give back is by showing up and showing people what's possible. That's literally the biggest difference is if I tell you, yes, you can make six figures by doing it this way. No, you don't have to go. And one of my, one of my most downloaded episodes was one where I said, I don't like treating. I don't, I don't like treating. I never did. I love assessment. I don't like holding people's hands. I'm like, do your exercises. You're a grown ass man. I don't, I don't need to be like all up in your business, right? And so just putting, being, being willing to take arrows, being willing to be the first because and give people the gift of going second, right? So I think that is, the, that is what we can do. That is the difference. That is what can be done. The fact that you have this show, right? And you're talking about it and you're bringing people on. That is giving back. Yes, it'd be great to go, I have an episode about this as well. I think people automatically are like, oh, but what about like pro bono work and helping those that are less fortunate? Guess what? That person that is that much less fortunate doesn't need physical therapy. They don't have the time to take off from work to go and do some yellow therapy stuff on the table. They probably need a whole lifestyle shift. They don't need like your pity, you know, services. There's a big difference in terms of what's actually going to help people. I believe that sliding scales are actually more beneficial for the person that's providing the scale than for the person that's on the receiving end. For in many cases, I think that people are doing it to make themselves feel better. And I'm like, this person doesn't have a time to go and leave their job and like leave their kids to come and, and do this thing. Right. So if you if for the bleeding hearts out there, for the people that are like about justice as well, give back by showing people what's possible. And then if you can give them, you know, a step forward, amazing. One of my uh, buddies from PT school, when I first started my, my own, uh, he's very much like you. When you folks, when you, both of you were just like, if I can make $100 today, how, am I, how can I make it? That in my immediate, I was like, that's Peter. And I went to PT school with him and he was the first of our class to start his own practice. He maybe waited like two or three years because he learned on somebody else's dime and then, you know, started small but he rented space to me. And that's what he still does. He has a table in his clinic and he rents it for super low price. I don't know what it's at now, but I think I was paying him $25, $50 a person, something very reasonable to treat out of his space. And that's how you help the profession. That's how you help the others. That's how you move the profession forward by showing people what's possible. And then 
giving them a step up to actually be a, or a hand up, whatever, to be able to actually achieve that. And the ones who don't take you up on it, those are the ones that didn't want it anyway. They just wanted to complain. And I know you and me, Paul, would be like, Dot, miss me with that. Miss me with that. I think one of the biggest things that, speaking for myself, you know, that I've had to really learn and embrace was just the aspect of with the exposure that me and Paul have been able to have with, you know, the amazing people that we've brought on the show and that we've continued to build relationships with. One of the common things you see is when you invest in something, there is that point of time where you're not going to see any return on your investment, right? Mm -hmm. And so I had to really get my mind into this standpoint of looking at PT school and looking at the money in terms of my loans as yep. something that was an investment that I decided to make. It is. And so my return on investment is going to be what I make of it once I'm done cool. with school. And just, just to put it out there, because the movement maestro said so, you guys can now refer to me as SEO Sensei. I love that. <laughs> I love that. That's, that's the, I'm about to put that on a shirt. Shout out to you for that one. Um, but we, we, we got some other things we need to talk about as well. But real quick, what I want to do. So we actually have a segment of the show that we do, and it is our Black Health segment. And essentially, it's when we just kind of talk about some, you know, some some diseases or some impairments that African-Americans, Afro-Caribbeans really struggle with. And um, so I want to go into that segment right now. And then I want to go ahead and do something a little bit different today and have the movement maestro uh, talk to us a little bit about some things to kind of combat this. So. The American Psychological Association found that among African-American adults, nearly 48% are clinically obese, and including 37.1% of men and 56.6% of women, compared to 32.6% of whites. Now, when you think about this, like these statistics, they can be pretty alarming because you consider the many health risks that are commonly associated with obesity. And so moving maestro, um, cause you, you're, you're a guru, you know, you, you, you do this. Um, just talk to us, what would you say would be some tips that you would love to give just in terms of being able to combat that obesity? I mean, we know it starts also from a nutritional standpoint. Yeah. Sometimes there's environmental factors that play into that um, you know, and, and, and other economic factors as well. But just from a practical standpoint for anybody, you know, what would be some some things that could be like your favorite exercises or things people can do at home, just some stuff to kind of combat obesity, because that's a big thing. And I think we often neglect how influential that can be in catastrophizing into hypertension or diabetes or some of these other comorbidities. Um, so, Take us to school, educate us. Oof. Wow. We're here. I wasn't prepared for this, but I'm going to try and spit something out here. So I, I kind of want to do a two-prong approach here. And one, this is something that, that everyone can do, whether they are obese or not. It's everyone. Is we need to work to destigmatize obesity. 
Because as long as we see it and we associate it with like bad and negative and terrible, those who are facing it will never be helped. So the best thing that we as individuals can do is be mindful of our own opinions. I always believe that change starts with me, right? Change starts with the individual. I can't change how someone else thinks what they're doing, but I can change my own behavior, my own actions. So I think it's really important that we uh, figure out our own viewpoints towards obesity and for the, towards people who are obese. And are we working to destigmatize it? Because like you said, these like socioeconomic issues that surround it perpetuate it. And as long as we're playing into that and supporting that narrative, we're never going to do anything to like kind of break that down. So I think it starts with number one, what are we doing ourselves to destigmatize it uh, and make sure it's not this like immediate um, negative association. Um, in terms of actual actions, I would say start off, and this kind of ties into what Paul had asked before, people are like all or nothing. And in reality, it's all or something. So we're trying to start a new habit or anything like that. It's not all or nothing. And we see people will be like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do this thing. And I'm going to do this other thing as well. I would say, number one, let's really, really simplify it and break it down into something that you care about, something that you actually want to do. So let's say if it's that you want to attack nutrition, all right, then we're going to pick one thing. If it's that you want to attack exercise, okay, we'll attack that. If it's that you want to just sleep more, get more sleep. That's fine as well. Starting with one goal and then breaking it down into the most simple and actionable piece of that. Because you're not going to go from, you know, needing to lose 100 pounds or 50, whatever if you're not currently doing anything about that right now. So if you personally are like, oh, yeah, I want to I make a change. Cool. What is, what is one part of that? What is the thing that appeals to you? the most, and then let's break that down into the most simplistic, simplistic goal, which is typically going to be about doing less, not about doing more, which is why I don't start off with like, okay, go for a walk every day. Like, do you have the time for that? Probably not. But are you drinking 17 sodas a day? I don't know, maybe. So let's make it 16. Literally something as simple as that. So it needs something that you actually want to be doing that you're like, yeah, this is my decision. Borrowed goals get us nowhere. It needs to be yours. And then what's the most simplistic first step? And let's think of that. Think about that step as removing something, not about doing more, not I'm going to like go and walk a million, a million miles or anything like that. That's not, that's not sustainable. It's not feasible. And you're going to quit doing that. So break it down. What is the first step? What is one single action item that I can take? typically about removing something and then a bonus if you can get someone else involved with it so you have some accountability to to move you through it and just start there because it really is all or something not all or nothing I knew we had to bring you on here because the the the, the passion and the uh, I can feel the energy through the screen. Um, something that I want to ask you now, and I'm sure you probably have like a list of things right to this question, but you can you can give us one if you want to give us more. You know, feel free to do that as well. But just looking, you know, just kind of surveying the landscape and, and, and looking at the way of the world and how things are right now and how they've been, not just in our industry of physical therapy, but in healthcare in general, 
what would you say is one thing that you would like to change about healthcare if you could? Oof. One thing that I want to change about healthcare. I want the individual, I want the consumer to be more educated, which is also largely kind of wishful thinking because the consumer has to want to be more educated. But I truly believe that if we're going to change the healthcare model, it's going to start from the bottom up. It's not going to come from the top down. It's going to come from individuals demanding better and leaving. Like, you vote with your dollars, right? vote with your wallet. So if they stop going to that provider and they start going to this other provider, it's going to make that provider change. I think one of the best things that ever happened to the physical therapy um, field was that personal trainers started leveling up. And suddenly PTs were like, what? Uh, I better go and take this course. I better learn about trends and conditioning. I better do more than be on the table with yellow TheraBand. Like I'm losing my money. I'm losing my, my clients. So I truly believe that the, the change comes from the com, comes from the bottom. So I would love to see a more educated user. And I think that probably would start off, you know, in school where like our movement literacy and our health literacy is like so bad. We don't know anything. We know so much about our phone and just random stuff. Kids are really smart. And then they don't know anything about their body. Zero. And I get it, the financial side and whose, you know, hands are in whose pockets and things like that. But that is what I would love to see is this an improved movement and health literacy of the, the general population. I think it would elevate everything. Let's talk to y'all about our t-shirts today, friends. It's t-shirt time. I just want to do it a little differently today. I just want to be smooth about it. Not, not excited, not too energetic. It's come to that time of year where I told y'all, I told y'all for the last few episodes, the day was going to come. But let's start here. If you want to get a t-shirt, I have the black. Carl has a black. Text the word shirt to 321-384-6275. Again, that's 321-384-6275. Friends, if you want to get your shirt customized, the red, the gray, now's the time. After this episode, it will be no more. And I don't say that like, eh, maybe we'll bring, no, it will be no more. Not because I want to, because the plug said no. So this is the last episode. If you want to get the gray, the red, get your name on the back, now's the time. Text the word SHIRT to 321-384-6275. And if you've enjoyed this episode and you learned a lot, but you did not take notes, you might be driving, you might be in class, you might be ignoring your significant other, you might be ignoring your parents. Whatever it is you're doing, do not worry. We took the notes for you. All you have to do to get them is text the word STUDY GUIDE, STUDY GUIDE to 321-384-6275 and we'll send it directly to you. Don't worry about taking notes here. When you're off the clock, it's all on us. 321-384-6275. Thanks for that, Paul. Um, now- That was dope. That was dope. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. That was dope. We, we cannot let you go without asking something in regards to this topic because I mean, you said it was your happy place, right? So let's talk a little bit about social media. This will, this will be my last one, um, you know, but I think this is, I think this is such a underrated thing, you know, that a lot of 
people tend to neglect because they don't see the value and the power of what it can transform your life into. And I know from a standpoint of a student, you know, it'd be, it'd be awesome to see more people trying to figure out how they can utilize social media to, you know, build their brand or build their presence before going out to work or, you know, even just building it starting now, you know, and continuing to build on it um, as they tap into that entrepreneur role. So what would you say are some unique methods you use to get the attention of um, your target market, you know, via IG? Because I know IG is, is a big thing for you. Yeah. Um, so what would you say business. are some of those unique methods that you use? Cool. So I want you folks listening to remember that I've been doing this since 2014. So what I do now is not what I did when I first started, nor is it necessarily 100% what I would what I'm doing now, nor is that what I would necessarily recommend that you, if you're, especially if you're a student, uh, start doing. If I put myself back into like my student days, all I was concerned with was graduating and going through school. If that's where you're at, amazing. There is no fire. Uh, you know, you're not behind. I started my business five years after graduating and I'm doing really, really well. Uh, so don't feel like, oh, if I don't do it right now, like uh, the train is gone forever. It's okay. Nothing good ever came from anything forced and urgency is terrible, you know, terrible motivator for starting things. In terms of getting the eyes that you want, the first thing is figuring out what are, who are those eyes? What is the problem you want to be solving? Niching down is the fastest way that you will, one of the fastest ways that you will grow, but niching down is usually one of the hardest things that anyone will ever ask you to do. As such, it kind of goes back full circle to what we spoke about earlier, which is learning your no. So if you're like, I think I want to do the social media thing, my advice would be starting off, just share your joy. Share what makes you happy. Right? More you. As you go through that, you start to figure out what you do and do not like doing, what you are good at and what you're not good at. Once you become more niche and like, this is the problem I solve, this is the group I solve it for, then you can just double down on that and you will attract those eyes, because they're going to say, oh, this person solves the problem that I want. As it relates to standing out, right? because people are like, isn't, isn't the market saturated? I mean, there's a lot of people doing what you're doing. Yes. But uh, to borrow from a friend of mine, a quote, people buy coaches, not coaching. We live in the information age. Anything you want to know is out there. You could probably learn it for free, like on YouTube. YouTube's amazing. Like, you can learn that on Instagram, read a book. It's all out there. People are paying for accountability and they're paying to hear that information from someone who they trust. And how do we build trust? This is also why it takes so long, right? Because we are in the business of trust, but we build trust by showing up consistently and showing up authentically. So this ties back into sharing your joy, sharing yourself. When we go into this being like, what am I supposed to share? What's going to fit in? What's going to stand out? What's going to be the best? We kind of lose that. And we lose sight of, well, what do I care about? What moves me? What motivates me? Because that's what's ultimately going to attract people to you. They can feel your passion for that subject. So if you're just starting out, number one, remember there's no fire. Number two, just enjoy PT school. Uh, number three, start by sharing your joy. What do, you, what do you like talking about? Just talk about that. If you are posting consistently, it'll start to rise to the top in terms of like, oh, I really like talking about this thing. I don't really like talking about the other things so much. And then you can double down on that. Uh, the fastest way that the two fastest ways that you will grow. Number one is niching down. So people know 
the problem that you solve and it's for them. And then number two, getting shared by somebody else who has a big audience. And the only way that they're going to want to share your stuff is if you're bringing something good to the table, meaning you're bringing yourself, you're bringing authenticity, you're bringing you know, passion behind what you're doing. Perfect. Perfect. Wow. We could keep on going, but we know you're a busy, busy woman. And um, again, you know, we like to be respectful. So first off, let me just say from me and Paul, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence and dropping the gems that you dropped. And man, just, just, humbled and grateful for the opportunity, you know, to, to kick it in and have these conversations and be able to just soak up all the knowledge that you just gave us. Now, for anyone who's listening, and this is their first time being exposed to you, what would be like some social media or uh, contact information you would want to leave with them? For sure. The easiest thing, the easiest way is Instagram. I'm the movement maestro. Maestro is spelled M-A-E-S-T-R-O. I know people struggle with that. Um, my website's the same, themovementmaestro.com. Uh, but Instagram is by far the easiest way to get in touch with me. Uh, you can slide into the DMs and I respond to every single one I've made as my job and I absolutely love it. So that's, that's going to be the easiest way to do that. Perfecto. To our lovely listeners, guys, we appreciate you. We love you. Thank you so much for rocking with us, man. Um, if you've been with us since Rooted Deep, you know we have a, a special place in our hearts for you. And even if you haven't and you're just now listening to OTC, welcome to OTC University. Class is always in session. Now, if you got value from this episode, please, 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 number one, go to Apple Podcasts. Find Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. Scroll all the way down. Click the five stars. Click write a review. Leave us two to three sentences on whatever episode you listen to, why you enjoyed it, or just your overall impression of the show. Because it helps other people be able to see the value that me and Paul are bringing and the value that our guests are bringing, such as the lovely movement maestro here that has dropped so many gems on you guys this episode and us included and um with that being said you know we would greatly appreciate it guys but it's that time to wrap up so until next time peace many blessings thank you for listening to another episode of off the clock don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast see you next episode